lawless churches today. You see what's happened to America? Now America's becoming lawless. We want to defund the police. We, we hate our police officers now. Um, where do you think that started? It started at the church, ignoring the commandments of God. The church became lawless. Now the nation is becoming lawless. Okay. Uh, the chapter we're going to study today will be Daniel 9, Praying for Our People and Our Nation. Okay, part one. We're going to do this in two parts because, as we're going to find out at the end of Daniel 9, there is this very detailed prophecy called the, four, the 77s or the 490 years. And there's no way I can get that done. I can get through all these verses and do that part justice. So we're going to have a... Uh, we're going to dedicate next week's study entirely to trying to divide and break down the prophecy of the 77s. Um, in Daniel chapter 8, last week we read about the future Gentile uh, world empires uh, to Daniel. They were future to Daniel and they were described as the ram and the he-goat. The ram was symbolic of Medo-Persia and the he-goat was symbolic of Greece. Um, and, but in this chapter, we're not going to be talking about those you know, worldly empires. Um, it's going to be more focused on Daniel wanting to know when God's people will be set free from being under the control of these worldly empires. Okay, um, And uh, I think we'll just start reading. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1, it says, In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. Okay, so this Darius here, he was part of the Medo-Persian Empire. He was the, you know, the king of this, uh, specifically over the realm of the Chaldeans here at this time. Um, and Daniel's just giving the date when he sees this, or when he's uh, going to be uh, explaining what happens here. And Verse 2, it says, In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolations of Jerusalem. Okay, no doubt he was reading. Uh, Daniel was reading the prophecies given in Jeremiah 25, chapter 25, verse 11, and chapter 29, verses 1 and 10. So, so what's happening here is Daniel, uh, most, of Dan, most of Daniel's life was actually in captivity. He was a servant or a slave to the king of Babylon. Um, and then he ended up, then the Babylonians fell, and then he ended up becoming a servant to the kings of the Medes and the Persians. So he... he um, he, he's sitting here wondering, when is this captivity going to end? When, when are my people going to be freed from this captivity and have our own nation back again? Because if you, if you remember, um, it was very devastating. Um, you know, Jerusalem, the headquarter of, you know, of God's nation at that time, the headquarter of God's kingdom, um, everything one day was going pretty well. Um, you know, the Israelites were living it up. They forgot God and, you know, they had all these blessings. And then all of a sudden, one day, the Babylonians uh, laid siege to the city and actually conquered Jerusalem in three different sieges over a period of, I can't remember how many years it was now, um, over a period of a number of years, I think it was about 15 years or something like that. Um, 
So, but anyway, so Daniel remembers all this. this. It was a horrible thing that had happened. And you know what? It reminds me a little bit of what's going on in America today. It almost feels like we're under the first siege right now. We're being controlled from within with uh, the mask mandates, uh, the riots and the looting and the burning and everything that uh, wants, uh, you know, all these forces within inside of America, these communist Marxist forces that are trying to destroy our country. And we're, at times, it almost feels like we're helpless. Now, in order to buy or sell, in order to go to stores now, we have to wear a mask. Um, some of us have been getting by a little bit without it. Uh, but um, it, nevertheless, I mean, it's a, it feels like we're being invaded. And from Daniel's perspective, they, he, he's writing from a perspective of he's already been in captivity. The destruction already happened. Um, for us, it's as though we're looking future to this is what's happening to us right now. Of course, the king of Babylon is also a type of the Antichrist, a type of Satan himself. And he lays uh, uh, different sieges against Jerusalem. So 70 years. So, so in other words, Daniel is studying the Bible. Notice Daniel. Daniel was this great prophet, right? He didn't say, well, God's, God will just tell me what's going to happen. You know, I don't need to study the Bible. The Holy Spirit will, will speak to me. Of course, the Holy Spirit worked with Daniel. Daniel had some spectacular uh, in encounters with some of God's angels to give him information. And we'll find out even at the end of this chapter, another instance of that. But he was, he was studying his Bible. Daniel was studying the Bible. Okay? He understood by books. He understood by reading the prophet, uh, the books of Jeremiah, or the book of Jeremiah, um, that there would be a period of 70 years in captivity. And he wants to know, when is this going to end? I want things back to normal. Verse 3, And I set my face unto the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. Now, Joel chapter 2 talks about this. Uh, you know, when the enemy armies would invade uh, Israel, that they were to... Um, uh, you know, put on sackcloth and ashes, call a psalm assembly, blow the trumpet, and, and uh, you know, and repent for their sins. And that seems to be what Daniel is doing here. He's, he's, he's praying, he's uh, pleading with God for understanding, he's even fasting. And, you know, I wonder, you know, a lot of people are complaining right now, and, and, and you know, of course, we, we should be. We're not happy with this takeover. But how many people are actually doing what Daniel did? How many people are praying to God saying, you know, um, you know, what's happening? Please help us understand what, what you know, what's going on and, and, and so forth. And that's what Daniel was doing. Uh, verse 4, And I prayed unto the Lord my God and made my confession and said, O Lord, the great and dreadful God, keeping the covenant and mercy to them that love him and to them that keep his commandments. Now we have this, this, this apostate church these days that doesn't ever even talk about the commandments of God. All they talk about on the signs outside their doors are free grace, you know, and great, all they talk about is grace and love and mercy, which are, you know, that, that is you know, one of the pillars of Christianity. You know, probably the biggest pillar of Christianity is that. But if you don't have the fear of God, like Daniel did, the dreadful God, if you don't have the fear of God and you don't even attempt 
to promote or keep his commandments. God's not going to have a covenant with you. Notice it says, God keeps the covenant with those that love him and, and to them that keep his commandments. This is even repeated again in the book of Revelation where it talks about the remnant of the woman's seed, those that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. But now the, you know, the, the lawless churches today. So you, you see what's happened to America? Now America's becoming lawless we want to defund the police. We, we hate our police officers now. Um, where do you think that started? It started at the church, ignoring the commandments of God. The church became lawless. Now the nation is becoming lawless. Okay? God's law is what keeps things together. It keeps a society. It keeps order. It keeps uh, happiness when it is, uh, when it is obeyed. Verse 5, we have sinned. You know, what is sin even? It's to violate God's law. Well, you got all these churches today, they never even teach God's law. They even say it's okay for, you know, for uh, homosexuals to get married. I mean, it, it's, it's astonishing. With, you know, and they don't feel bad about it. They don't feel like they have to repent. Christianity has become, uh, mainstream Christianity today has just become a fun house where it, the only word you see is love. You never hear about repentance. You never hear about sin or anything like that. Um, it's just love and acceptance and tolerance and all these types of things. Um, but that's not what Daniel's doing. He's saying we have sinned. Okay, look at our country today. Look at all the babies that are aborted every year. I mean, um, these, and give me a break. I mean, these people that shame us for not wearing a mask, and these, these are the same people that could care less about all, uh, all the babies being aborted, you know, um, far more than anybody's ever going to die from COVID. And they're telling us that we are putting people in danger while they're giving aid and comfort to those that are killing babies? I mean, this is absurd. This is, this is, it's just unreal. They have, they, these liberals, these leftist politicians, they have no moral standing to say anything to anybody about saving lives. They don't care about lives. All they care about is power and control. That's all they care about. And the rest of the people that follow them, it's not that they care for power and, con it's not that they want power and control. They're just, they're just deceived people. You know, they think that since the pop culture says this, the, the mainstream news media says this, I should just do what they say because I don't want to be an outcast. I want to be part of, you know, everybody else. I don't want my neighbors to hate me, my friends to hate me. I don't want my employer to fire me. I just want to, I just want to get by. I want to do what's right. Um, but so here, the key to... Um, the survival of our nation, if, it, if, if God's going to show any mercy in the future, and I don't know if he will, we might just go all the way down to the gutter into captivity. But the only way out of it is this. It's right here. Acknowledging that we've sinned. First, you, before you can acknowledge that you've sinned as a country, you have to be able to define what a sin is. If I can't say, if it's a hate crime for me to say that homosexuality is a sin or that transgenderism is is, um, you know, twisted, uh, you know, somebody with a reprobate mind, if I can't say those things, then we can't even acknowledge our sins and we can't repent as a nation. So, and, and that's what's happening is we're, we're being labeled as haters while they're being labeled as lovers and it's the complete opposite. 
It's the complete opposite. Um, so Daniel, notice he even includes himself here. He doesn't say they are. I know most often I think, you know, we want to say they are or the rest of the country, but we're all part. We're all part of this. We all partic You know, we're all part of this country, and we've all, to one degree or another, have neglected our duties in upholding righteous standards. Um, so they, he says they've departed from thy precepts. They've they've gone. They don't study your word. They don't talk about your judgments. Okay, all they talk about is love and tolerance and oh, how, what a wonderful society. Now it's, uh, you know, worship at the altar of Marxism um, for so-called justice. Uh, verse 6, Neither have we hearkened unto thy servants the prophets, which spake in thy name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. Now check this out. You know, the people don't want to hear us today. Most Americans don't want to hear what we have to say from the Bible today. Unless it's a filtered, politically correct message with the word love and mercy stamped on it. Then they're fine with that. But if you stand against anything that's wicked, you're, you know, we don't want to hear anything. But do you think this is anything new? That's what happened to the Israelites right before they went into captivity uh, thousands of years ago. They, their prophets came and said, hey, if you don't stop your sinning, God's going to punish this, this. God's going to bring his judgments upon this nation. And the people would say, ah, nah, we don't believe that. No, that's not ever going to happen. And, and all of a sudden, one day, they're partying it up, living it up, and the Babylonians break through the wall of Jerusalem and start killing them, slaughtering them, and taking them, taking them out of their country and actually bringing them to another country as a slave. Now think about that. Um, if you want to read about how sad that time was when the enemy invaded and, and took Jerusalem, the Lamentations of, the, of Jeremiah, a short book, I think it's like four, maybe four chapters, four to six chapters, something like that. Um, it, it describes... That those invasions in detail, and I believe that's what's happening right now. I really believe that. In fact, I think right after we do the book of Daniel, I think I'm going to teach uh, the book of Lamentations. It was all about the downfall of the nation and the invasion of the Babylonians. Okay, so none of the people would listen. They didn't listen to the prophets. They didn't listen to God's teachers. They listened. You know, who did they listen to? Because there were still a lot of religious people. In that country, it wasn't like they just totally, you know, ignored God. They thought they were still following God. A lot of those people, but who were they listening to? The false prophets, the prophets that were telling them things they wanted to hear. Okay, nice, soothing things. The king of Babylon's not coming. Nothing bad is going to happen. They list. They went to those churches. They went to those churches instead of the church of uh, Isaiah, you know, where he was prophesying of Isaiah or Jeremiah prophesying of the doom of the nation for disobeying God. Verse 7, O Lord, righteousness belongeth unto thee, but unto us confusion of faces, as at this day to the men of Judah and to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel that are near and that are afar off. Check this out. Through all the countries, whether thou hast driven them, because of their trespass, that they have trespassed against thee. Okay. Now this is proof that the Israelites, they were actually taken before Jerusalem was taken, and the tribe of Judah, and the remnant of the tribe of Judah. Um, 
The ten tribes in northern kingdom of Israel, they were taken, they were defeated by the Assyrians and hauled away as slaves into Assyria. And um, after that, they scattered throughout many different nations. And then later on through Europe, they were, these lost Israelites were called the, uh, the Caucasians. They forgot who they were. They forgot they were even Israelites. But um, miraculously, the gospel came to Europe and reawoken them under a different name. They weren't called Israelites anymore. They were called Christians. And uh, then, you know, and today, uh, many people have joined into that family, have become Christians, have assimilated into the kingdom of God. And, um, but now it's going back, but now it's starting to go the other way around, okay? Uh, verse 8, O Lord, to us belongeth confusion of face. To our, you know, we're just, we're all ashamed um, for our, you know, we're, we're so full of sin is what he's saying. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against thee. Um, again, you know, we, we, we hear all this talk about social justice and, and fixing all of our problems. But what we should be doing Instead of bowing a knee, you know, before the Marxists and saying we hate our country, what we should be doing is doing what Daniel did. If you want things to be good for everybody, you need to repent and turn to God. The answer is, in, is right here. It's not in Black Lives Matter. It's not in uh, the Democrat Party. It's not even in the Republican Party. It's not even in Donald Trump. Though he's, he's, he's done a lot of good things for Christians, it's, it's right here. The answer for everything is found in, in, in God's word. To the Lord our God belongeth mercies and forgivenesses, though we have rebelled against him. Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk... Now, now check this out. You don't talk about mercy and forgiveness and love unless you first repent of your sins. The church does the opposite today. Oh, come on in. We just love everybody. Just come on in. The first step, I, when I read my Bible, the first step is I, you know, I, I think of John the Baptist. Repent! You know, repent of your wickedness, and then you're welcome in. But if you're unrepentant, we don't want you contaminating, uh, you know, Christianity. And that's what's happened. We've allowed unrepentant sinners into the church and even up to, the, to become teachers and they teach a false gospel, a gospel where you don't have to worry about uh, uh, God's law. It's just everything's love now because Jesus is love. Jesus loves everybody. Um, but anyways, verse 10, Neither have we obeyed the voice of the Lord our God to walk in his laws, which he set before us by his servants, the prophets. Now, I can't help but think of you know, you want to look at the beginning of America's downfall, just look back at when God started being removed from uh, uh, the Supreme Court. I think it was in the 1960s, took prayer out of schools. And a lot of things happened in the 60s. Um, they've removed the Ten Commandments from the courthouses, from uh, school rooms, and so forth. And now we wonder why things are so crazy. And now we, we want all these other solutions. We think some activist group is going to save us. We think getting mad and protesting is going to save us. Burning down cities. That's not the answer. The answer is in um, acknowledging our sin and repenting as a nation. Verse 11. Yea, all Israel has, have transgressed thy law, even by departing, that they might not obey thy voice. Therefore, now check this out. Therefore, because of disobedience, therefore the curse 
is poured upon us. And the oath that is written in the law of Moses, a servant of God, because we have sinned against him. Okay? Now think about our people. You know, I obviously, I think everybody should have entertainment. Should, I just came back from a family camping vacation this, this week. Um, but just think, I mean, our people, instead of, you know, wanting to understand, you know, taking the time to study the, the Bible, Americans are too busy fishing boating, you know, watching sports and all those types of things. And uh, interestingly, some of those things were taken away from us for a while. Um, and I hope some people, some more people got into the Bible. But, the, you know, the reason why we have this, uh, all these problems today is because the, is God is actually pouring the curse upon our nation. So we could get mad at the liberals about the masks and stuff, and I think we still should stand against that. I'm not saying we, uh, you know disengage in the culture war but really ultimately God is allowing the liberals and the leftists and the progressives to do all this stuff because we have not obeyed the voice of God okay we've been too busy with our entertainment with our gratifying the flesh and so forth but anyways uh, Deuteronomy 28 and Leviticus 26 actually list off the curses that Daniel is talking about, the curses. So, you see, Daniel knew, he read those scriptures too, and that's how he knew the curse was poured upon uh, the nation. Verse 12, And he hath confirmed his words, which he spake against us. Okay, again, Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26, They were con Daniel saw those confirmed, where God said, If you do not obey, I will do this, this, and this, and this, and this unto you. And Daniel's looking back and saying, that's exactly what God did to our country. And it's confirmed. So, his, I mean, his word is true. And against our judges that judged us by bringing upon us a great evil. For under the whole, now check this out, for under the whole heaven hath not been done as hath been done upon Jerusalem. Now, I think we're probably at the very beginning, and I don't want to be a doomsdayer, but the prophet's, in the Bible, the true messengers of God or Bible teachers were messengers of doom. You know, that's why people didn't like them. But at the rate we're going right now, I don't see a lot of repentance. I think we're probably at the very beginning stages of this great evil that God may be bringing upon, pouring upon our nation. Um, we think masks are an inconvenience now. We don't like COVID, this people blowing up this COVID-19. What if we really have a real pandemic? You know, then things would get pretty interesting. Um, Jesus says that there will be real pandemics. This other ones, it's, we obviously know it's nothing more than uh, the flu where only the elderly and those that are, um, that have, uh, you know, underlying health issues, they are the only ones that really need to be concerned. But what happens when we get a virus or a pandemic that actually goes after strong, healthy people and kills them pretty quickly. Um, maybe we're, maybe this is just a warning for what's to come. I don't know. Um, all right. Verse 13. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this evil has come upon us. Now check this out. All these things happened to the Israelites, plague after plague, enemy armies coming in. And what did the people still do? Did they turn to God? Did they say, oh man, we really screwed up. We were going to get this right. We're going to stop sacrificing our children to Molech, you know, which is abortion today. Uh, we're going we're gonna to stop, uh, you know, doing all these things. No, they said, 
Daniel says, Yet made we not our prayer before the Lord our God, that we might turn from our iniquities and understand thy truth. He said, we didn't do that. We didn't do that. I don't see a lot of that happening today. I know President Trump has you know, uh, done some great things. He's met with a lot of Christian leaders. But at the same time, he has not stood against the LGBTQ movement at all. In fact, he's actually affirmed them um, at times. And that's not a sign of good things to come. Now, besides that, if you know, I, will I vote for Donald Trump this election? Yes, I will. But he needs to take a strong, he needs to make a strong stance against uh, homosexual marriage and, um, and those types of things. Otherwise, it's what a great evil is going to come upon our nation. We can try to make our economy great. We can try to do all these things, but if we don't identify some of the major sins that are destroying our country, which is uh, the destruction of the family by the homosexual movement, um, abortion, uh, those, those two issues, those are huge. If we don't acknowledge those, he's acknowledged abortion. He's done really good there. Now, when you look back at the kings of Israel, there were a lot of, there was never a perfect king, so I'm not saying Donald Trump has to be perfect. God actually um, blessed other kings that did many great things for him. And he'd say, he was really, really good. He did all these things. He, he, he uh, took all these different sins out of our country, but he allowed the Baal worshipers to flourish or something like that. And you'll find there were, there were several kings like that in Israel's history who God blessed halfway. You know, he gave them some blessings, but didn't bless them entirely. And I kind of view Donald Trump as kind of that character right now because he needs to acknowledge that and make a stand against that. Verse 14, Therefore hath the Lord watched upon the evil and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all his works, which he doeth, for we obeyed not his voice. In other words, he said, Daniel saying, we deserve the punishment. Um, you know, uh, you, when a kid gets a spanking, he, the kids never think they deserve the spanking. I don't, I don't deserve that. You know, that's the way we are as a, as a country. We don't like our spankings when they come. They hurt and we cry and we whine. It's not fair. Well, if you look at everything that's happening, you know, um, it would have been more fair for God just to totally wipe out our country, you know, 20 years ago probably. But he's extended mercy after mercy, but we still do not listen. So the mercy's been there. We deserve everything that, that's, that's, America deserves everything that's happening to her right now. Uh, verse 15, And now, O Lord our God, that has brought thy people forth out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and has gotten thee renowned, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. Again, he keeps repeating that over and over again. Repentance, you know. Um, we have sinned, we've done wickedly. But now notice what he's actually using. I shouldn't say he's trying to manipulate God. He's not trying to do that. But he's reminding God um, of the great things he did for the nation. And um, verse 16, O Lord, according to all thy righteousness, I beseech thee, let thine anger and thy fury be turned away from thy city Jerusalem, the holy mountain, 
because for our sins and for the iniquity of our iniquities of our fathers, um, Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach. Now check this out. Jerusalem and thy people are become a reproach to all that are about us. Now look at what's happening in America today. All the Christian, all these uh, statues of the and memorials of our Christian forefathers, they've now become a reproach to all that are among, uh, to uh, many people in our country today. Um, Christians today are mocked. Christians are incessantly mocked today. We've become a reproach to all those that are about us. Um, and so on. Verse 17, Now therefore, O our God, hear the prayer of thy servant and his supplications, and cause thy face to shine upon thy sanctuary that is desolate for the Lord's sake. Now, if you were to picture this in history, the temple, that glorious temple, the temple of Solomon, and then it was, re, uh, well, we haven't got to the rebuilding of that, but the temple of Solomon was utterly destroyed. It laid in it, just heaps of rocks all over the place. That's how it laid for 70 years. Now, we update this to today and what it means to us. Look at the condition of the church. It's just totally in pieces today. It's desolate. It's desolate of any... The mainstream church is desolate of any truth of God's word. I mean, it, 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 it's just a fact. Um, it's in ruins. Verse 18, O oh my God, incline thine ear and hear, open thine eyes, and behold, now he's pleading with God, and behold our desolations in the city which is called by thy name. For we do not present our supplications before thee for our righteousness, but for thy great mercies. Now check that out. That's if you want to have a if you want the key to touching God's heart, it's right there. It's hey God, don't do it because I'm this righteous warrior for you. I deserve it. You ought to be blessing me and, and, and all these things. He says, don't do it for my righteousness or for our righteousness as a country, but do it to display your great mercies. Let everybody see your mercy. Okay? Um that can be taken on an individual level if you really want to reach God's heart is that kind of a prayer. Verse 19, O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, hearken and do. Defer not for thine own sake, O my God, for thy city and thy people are called by thy name. Now think about our country. What are our models? One nation under God. In God we trust. Um, there, is, there is no other nation upon the face of the earth that basically rep, you know, um, calls itself the people of God. Um, you know, it's it's just not it's just not there, and so he's saying, you know, please for you know forgive our our forgive us for our sins, um, and um, do it for your sake, not for ours. Do it so that you have a nation that represents you on the earth still, so that the whole world isn't totally in wickedness. You know. Um, verse 20, and whiles I and whiles I was speaking and praying. Now check this out. And confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel. Now check that out. You know, many people say that, uh, well, you, you, because you talk against homosexual, um, the homosexuals, you're just, a, you, you know, you're just self-righteous. You just think you're so good. You just think you're so, be you're so much better than everybody else. But that's not what 
most Christians I know do. They don't just make it their habit to go and, and find homosexuals just to tell them how wicked they are. You know, they, they acknowledge that we're all sinners. The difference between us and somebody who affirms homosexuality is we still sin, but we hate our sin and we ask for forgiveness for it, whereas they are in sin, but they don't feel sorry about being, they, they think their sin is right. They, now check this out. The homosexual movement thinks their sin is righteousness and it should be celebrated. It should be exalted. I mean, that's the difference. So we're all sinners, except they don't admit that they're a sinner. In fact, they think they should be glorified as sinners. And uh, it's, it's, it's quite disturbing. Um, so he says, The sin of my people Israel, and presenting my supplication before the Lord my God for the holy mountain of my God. So he's praying for his people. He's praying for the headquarters of his nation. Um, so, you know, you look at it, Daniel was a patriot. Daniel loved his, his, his nation, and um, he loved his land. He, want, he loved the land, and he loved the people. He loved the nation. Today we're taught that, you know, you, you shouldn't, uh, you shouldn't uh, be pro-American, you know. It should only be, the, the liberal leftist churches will say, it's only about the church. You don't ever pray, you don't ever pray for a country. Countries don't matter. Well, Daniel prayed for his country. He prayed for his nation. Even though he belonged to an eternal kingdom, he still loved his nation. It wasn't uh, meaningless for him to want um, to to want uh, the best for his his country. All right, verse twenty-one. Yea, while I was speaking in prayer, now check this out. While he was speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, which means. Uh, I brought this up last week. Gabriel means the mighty man of God. You know, he was a powerful angel. And I, I, I often look at him and I look at the, the pastors in our pulpits today. They don't represent somebody like Gabriel, mighty man of God. They're all, of, most of them are very effeminate, very soft, soft-spoken. And uh, but not Gabriel, he was a mighty man of God. I really do believe that God wants us to know that for a reason. You know, Christians are warriors. We're not, pass, we're not pacifists. Yeah, at times, you know, we have to bear our cross. But um, anyways, so, so Gabriel appears to him while he, was, while he was praying. God sent Gabriel just like that. Whom I had seen in the vision at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, touched me about the time of the evening oblation. His prayer, was, his prayer is going to be answered that quickly. Verse 22, And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel, I am now come forth to give thee skill and understanding. What did Daniel need skill and understanding in? Well, Daniel's whole prayer was he wanted his country to be back. He wanted things back to normal. He wanted it restored. Um, it, the, he had been living as a, in captivity as a servant or as a slave under these different empires that had arisen. And he, and he wants that over with. He wants things, again, things back to normal. And, um, and he was reading about the 70 years of captivity. I think he was, uh, it was, it was getting near the end of that period. And he was wondering, okay, God, are, when are you going to do this? Because you said 70 years. It's just, it's getting to be about over and I want things back. And so now he's going to be given skill and understanding in that, uh, in understanding prophetic time. 
At the beginning of thy supplications, the commandment came forth, and I am come to show thee, for thou art greatly beloved. Therefore, understand the matter and consider the vision. Now check this out. Did Daniel touch God's heart? And this is evidence of this. He says, he even said that Daniel was greatly beloved, that God loved him. And he says, I heard your prayer was heard at the right when you started praying, your prayer was being heard. And now I'm come to help you under get, you know, sift through some of these things and, and so you understand what's going on. Um, and after that, we get into, I'll just in conclusion here, I cut it off. There's a few more verses. Um, the angel Gabriel is going to give Daniel understanding uh, of some prophetic time concerning his people, concerning the children of Israel and Jerusalem. And it also was a prophecy concerning the coming of the Messiah during his first and I believe second advents as well. Um, additionally, a prophecy concerning the coming of the Antichrist. Um, so there were way too many things for me to try to add that in at the end of the study. So I need your minds fresh next week. And we'll look at that. Uh, it, it's probably the most significant prophetic timeline in all of the Bible as far as prophetic events go. Um, with that said, anybody have any questions or comments? <clears throat> Well, um, I'm very talkative. Oh, we, we need it. The, I love the interaction. This is interesting. But uh, what would you say if someone says, uh, once saved, always saved, and they'll go to the scripture. I'm not sure where it's at, but uh, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ has died and rose from the dead, right. you will be saved. Right. Um, this, uh, actually the name of... The, our ministry is Christian Overcomers. Um, I think that, that word itself um, can be found in uh, Revelation chapter 2 and 3. The main message Jesus had for all of the saved believers was that they still had to overcome. So I think, you know, um, being saved is, is a free gift by uh, grace um, upon repentance. But um, after being saved... Um, Jesus still mentions that you're in danger of, uh, of losing your eternal life even after being saved. Now, an example of that can be found, uh, obviously, uh, it, in his messages to all seven of the churches about you have to overcome, be faithful. Well, here's the one I was looking for. He said, be faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. So it would be like, um, I know the... Uh, you have this big argument of works versus faith. But the, the main thing is, is you have to uh, remain faithful. To You can't just say, I believe and be saved and live a life that's totally unfaithful to God and expect to get into the pearly gates. Um, and, I, and I think that, that theme is all throughout the Bible. Uh, I, you can even go back to um, when the Israelites were saved from Egypt. You know, God delivered them across the, you know, first they were saved by the blood of the lamb. The death angel, they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of their house. They were saved from that death uh, because of that. And that was, that was off of faith. They did that on faith. Then God delivered them and saved them after that and brought them into the wilderness. But they still had the wilderness to go through, the wilderness of temptation. 
And many of the Israelites didn't make it. Exact, actually, almost all of them didn't make it except for Caleb and Joshua. Um, they didn't make it because they were unfaithful. So they got saved by grace. They went into the wilderness of temptation. They failed uh, the test of remaining faithful to God. And uh, they were not allowed to enter into the promised land, which I believe is a total overlay of our journey as a Christian on this earth. And I think the once saved, always saved um, philosophy, really, it, cut, it basically says, you're, if you go back into history and say, uh, I put the blood of the lamb upon my doorpost, I'm saved, and now I don't have to do anything. I just sit here and disobey God. I'm not going to get up and leave Egypt and, and you know, go through all that. that to me, that's the, it's, it's, that's the equivalent of those who teach once saved, always saved. Um, is that uh, uh, um, th yeah those are the main points I have on that do you agree or disagree <laughs> yeah I agree uh, I got one more uh, thing that um, so so let's say you live your life and you keep on falling for your temptation but you repent are you saved or not saved uh, saved okay. yeah I think you I, just gotta be sorry for your sin right then God would have mercy. But if you're not sorry for your sin, it's a different story. Right. I mean, everybody is going to struggle. I mean, I, I struggle with things all the time. I mean, we all struggle. So it's the difference between... Um, I'm trying to think of... Uh, is it Basically, in order to lose your salvation, you'd have to totally turn away from God um, and, and worship, you know, the Antichrist or, you know, Satan or get into... Um, you know, just totally turn away from them because Second uh, Thessalonians chapter two talks about the great apostasy must come before Jesus returns, and Jesus talks about those people that are in the apostasy. He refers to, or Paul does. The apostle Paul says that they're going to be damned. So these were people that were once Christians fell away from Christianity and will be damned. So I mean. That's another example of, you can't just simply say, I, it'd be like to my wife, um, I'm going to marry you, and I, right now on our marriage day, I love you, I cherish you, but then right after we get married, I go and have all these affairs with other women. Is she going to really want to be by me after that? And if I say, no, I, what I said was good enough, you know, even though I'm not going to remain faithful to you, you know what I mean? I, I mean, how could a how could a loving, just God put up with that kind of behavior? Now, um, there are cases. I'm not going to use myself as an example because I'm not doing that. There are cases where somebody was two Christians were married and one spouse was unfaithful, but they were really felt bad about it and they were trying hard or whatever, or somebody's dealing with pornography issues or or, or something like that. That. Does, I mean, it makes the relationship very troublous, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's done and ended. But somebody's just going to willfully go out and not be sorry about what they're doing, that covenant is, that covenant's gone. I mean, and I, and I think that's, I think that's the analogy that God uses as well. I mean, um, be faithful unto death. That's what Jesus says. Then I'll give you a crown of life. But if you if you break the mar the spiritual marriage vows and you don't care about them, then I don't think that I don't think he's obligated to let you in the pearly gates.
Um, any other questions or comments? I think uh, the thing that I'm always not confused by, but I just I don't know how God deals with it. I know there are examples in the Bible, but you know when you, you look at a nation as a whole, and our our nation is definitely in sin and not doing so good, but it's not the whole nation, and uh, how do you think God deals with that? Uh, you know, like if, if he's going to punish a nation, whether it's plagues or you know, whatever, you think he's always going to protect the faithful within the nation, or do we just get lumped in because we're guilty by association? That's a good question. Um, my first part, my first answer to that would be, you know, Daniel and Jeremiah. Uh, if I remember Jeremiah, right? I'm trying to remember. Well, anyways, Daniel and uh, Daniel was spared the wrath of the king of Babylon and others that served God. They went into captivity, but they were their lives were spared, whereas others weren't. So even in the, I guess even in the midst of if our country's just totally falling apart. I think God has a way of protecting his own wherever they are. Um, but I'm not saying that's a foolproof thing. That I mean, that you're not going to somehow experience some of the wrath, the outfall of it. Um, right now, I'm struggling right now in that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, are we under... Are we under the total curse of God right now? Is basically, is the king of Babylon coming and there's nothing we can do about it? Or are we living in a time like, um, you know, David was in when the Philistines were oppressing the Israelites and there are all these battles and skirmishes between the Philistines. Um, but right now I'm treating it more like we're battling the Philistines because I think there's still hope, and I think until God really puts it on my heart not to fight and not to stand against us, that's where I feel like I feel like we should be fighting right now, engage in the in the culture war for the for our nation. Um, I mean, for all we know, I mean, we could go through a big skirmish and then there, you know, a big fight here coming up, and there could be a massive revival, and our country could have a period of uh, of peace and. And stability for a while. I don't know that. I'm hoping for that. Um, it's not like bad things never happened to our nation before. We had a civil war. Um, we had the Revolutionary War. I mean, so just because things seem so bad don't automatically mean that the Antichrist is coming. But there are a lot of different pieces that seem to be coming into place for that to happen. But um, right now, I, yeah, right now, like I'm saying, is, uh, like I said, I think we should be fighting for what's right by speaking the truth. I still feel like you would mention how you know, the deadly wound that the beast gets is, and I believe it, when Christian culture basically took over uh, uh, from the pagan culture. And, but just like we've talked about many times where the, you know, history repeats itself, the prophecies back then are basically similar to the prophecies that are now. That are, that are applied to now, uh, I, I feel like uh, there's still going to be a deadly wound to the beast, you know, nowadays. In oh, okay. So you're thinking maybe that uh, the globalist agenda will really receive a yeah, like I a mean, wound I, first? Only because, I, you know, I think that that prophecy back then applied, 
and now the prophecy now is everything's turning bad, the beasts coming out of the ocean, the, the countries and all that stuff. And uh, and something has to get wounded in that if, if we're in the modern day prophecy. And I don't know if Trump's a part of that because his his being elected is was a miracle. Yeah. And uh, if he gets reelected, and I, again, I'm not saying he's our savior or anything, but God picks the rulers and 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 that. And uh, I I like to think that there is going to be a kind of a great awakening and maybe a time uh, where the beast does receive a wound. But that's just my opinion. And, and you you bring up some interesting. I've always thought of. Trump as being <clears throat> like a Samson. In fact, that's one of the reasons we named our youngest son Samson, because uh, he uh, he lived. Uh, the Israelites were under uh, again the Philistine oppression back then. Those people that lived within their country were uh, oppressing them. But um, he was you know far from being a godly man. In fact, God used him because he was had such close relationships with the Philistines. He even purposely had uh, Samson marry a Philistine woman so he would have a chance to uh, uh, use Samson to get in close to tear down, the, tear down the, the entire Philistine hierarchy, their whole leadership in that temple. Remember when he was standing underneath the pillars? But the, his, his personality, is Trump's personality is so similar to Samson's in so many different ways. You remember um, every time he got away, they always wanted to know the secret of how, the, you know, they thought they had him bound, and all of a sudden he breaks out of it. And they kept going after him, we got you now, we got you now, and then he breaks out of it. Happened over and over again. And that seems to be what's happening with the mainstream news media, is they, they keep thinking that they have Trump, but then he keeps coming out over on top. Um, but maybe, you know, he knows a lot of, uh, he's got. A, I'm sure he's got a lot of dirt on all these pedophile rings and all these leaders that were involved with that, with uh, Epstein and and those groups. I wouldn't doubt if he actually goes down, makes a sacrifice for the nation in some way. Like maybe personally, he totally uh, is either killed or um, is just totally brought down. But at the same time, he brings everybody else down with him because um, he's just that character. If he's going down. He's going to take them all down. He's not going to go, just go down quietly. And um, is that an unchristian thing to do? Or Well, it, it wouldn't be any more unchristian than it was for God to raise up uh, Samson back in the day. So God will choose whoever he wants to to, to, uh, to get the job done. So maybe we're living in a time like that. Maybe, maybe there will be a good outcome after this. But... Uh, I don't know. Any other questions or comments? Well, this is a comment. Yeah. Um, you know, back to COVID-19 thing, you know, how they're making a big deal about all these deaths, but there's actually more side effects and deaths because of vaccination. Mm. Uh, that's globally. Mm -hmm. And nobody hears about that. Nobody talks about that. Uh, and Bill Gates is behind that, that uh, vaccination. And he's trying to push vaccination on every American. And uh, his belief system is uh, there's too many people on Earth. The Earth right. is overpopulated. So you put the two and two together, kind of thing. You know? Yeah, yeah. Somebody with that belief, you're going to trust somebody with the belief system that there's too many people with 
something to save you. <laughs> Especially when he's already got the patent on that, vac yeah. that particular vaccine, he and Fauci are in on it together. Well, we already know even uh, most of the vaccines that are out there now, they have a lot of different, uh, you know, questionable materials in them. Some are made from aborted fetuses. Uh, some have, you know, unclean animals. They're made from unclean animals that are stated in the book of Leviticus, made from, from those. So there's all kinds of unclean contaminants in our current vaccines. Um, so with the, f and, and the flu vaccine, it's only like, what they say? It's only like 30% effective or... If, like yeah. So you're going to put questionable material in your body to save you from getting a fever? I mean, it's crazy. Um, and um, so, yeah, instead they should be pushing, build up your immune system, uh, your spiritual health. Obviously, you know, a lot of people don't think about this, but your spiritual health affects your physical health. If you're upbeat and you're in the Word of God and you got this constant flow of the, the Spirit going through you, it's, it, it's, it's going to have a positive effect on your health. Um, whereas if you're not exercising, you're not eating properly, and you're not studying the Bible, when you get depressed, what happens? Your body starts deteriorating and your immune system's compromised and things like that. So the solution isn't in a vaccine. It's, it's in just living righteously living according to God's commands. And then obviously you're not going to you're not guaranteed that you're not going to get cancer and die if you're one of God's best servants. It's just it's the flesh. And then, you know, it's bad things happen to good people. Uh, but we we're not called to live you know, live in fear trying to do everything we can to save our flesh bodies. You know, and that's, but if you're a liberal and you don't believe in God and you don't have faith, you're fearing death every day. So when the government's telling you that COVID 19's coming and you better wear a face mask or you're going to die and kill, kill everybody else, you, of course you're following all that because you live a life of fear. Um, you, you know, they know deep down inside, even though they, they boast of their sins and they don't repent of their sins, I believe God has it program deep down inside every person they know what they're doing they know what they're doing is wrong and they know that you know they're not going to a good place unless they get things right and um, so dying today is very fearful to them because they want maybe longer and then they'll do it later maybe they're thinking I don't know but and that and that's crazy how they bring in the vaccination in a, in a hard container but if, if you drop it, you have, if it breaks, you have to evacuate the whole building. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, and, and they want to put that in your, in your arm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Oh, oh, sure. Yep. Yeah, it's totally, uh, people, people are just putting their hopes and trust in, Anything and everything but God, that's, that's what it comes down Christian to. Christian Overcomers is brought to you by the tithes and offerings of our listeners. If you would like to support our ministry, please go to ChristianOvercomers.com. God bless you, and thank you for your support. My eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the vintage where the grapes of wrath are stored. He has loosed the faithful lightning of his terrible sword. His truth is marching on.